Do you have a child who used to love learning and now perhaps they're struggling with learning in school? Or do you have a child who loves learning and you want to keep them loving learning? If so, this episode is for you. Stay tuned. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts, encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another. Our guest today was born and raised in Hawaii, but she is a world learner. Pamela Zeo has been teaching her whole life from teaching teachers behavior motivation for their students to teaching students in elementary school and her latest endeavor, training musical theater performers. She has a grandbaby girl, Rosalie Jade, and a wonderful daughter and son-in-law that live too far. She yearns to someday own a horse and serve missions for her church. We are pleased to have Pam join us today. Pam, thanks for being here. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, we are so excited to have you. And just question, what actually got you into education? Because it it seems to have become such an important part of your life. Yeah, fun story with that. When I was a little girl, I don't know if a lot of people can say this, but I was young and I used to play teacher. Really? That was one of the things that I love to do. I have loved teaching from when I was really young, and I don't know why it took me so long to grab onto it as my calling and my profession. But I finally did when I became a single mom, and I said, I need a schedule that I work with. The same with my daughter. So I went back to school, got another degree, and became a certified teacher. So the path has been long in coming. I think I was born with the desire to teach, so... So fascinating. Isn't it interesting that sometimes the childhood us knows what we really love to do? (laughs) Isn't that interesting? And we'll talk a lot about our childhood and how we are born and our innate desires when it comes to learning. So I'm excited that you brought that up. That is wonderful. Why don't we step into that then? What factors do you think really do encourage learning in children? Mm -hmm. I believe that children are born with the innate desire to learn. Children are born loving to learn. I think the problem is if we're going to discuss what we can do to help them to love learning, there's really nothing else to do except to nurture that and to, by all means, this is the big part, is to not destroy that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens in the schools sometimes. And I don't mean to disrespect schools and teachers, of course. I'm always the best advocate for teaching, but this is why I do what I do in classroom management because the behaviors, and we target behaviors, and the behaviors are a reflection of what's going on in the student, in their mind and in their heart, like what's happening that they want to continue to learn or not continue to learn. And it manifests itself in behaviors. And so I tackle it as I consult teachers from the behavior point of view. We say, if this behavior is happening, let's go backwards and find out why. And this is how we've discovered that 
negative behaviors oftentimes reflect on their level of learning and the ability to learn. Mm -hmm. Then you go back further and we ask ourselves, well, how did it get there? Because we know that they're born wanting to learn, right? Inquisitive spirits. That's what we want to do. Innate nature is to grab onto new information. So we're born that way. But what happens along the way is maybe the inability to learn and then people not nurturing that or nipping that in the bud so that the learning is rejuvenated every day. Sometimes I tell teachers when we're looking at these recurring behaviors, sometimes it really is that every day they start new and it's the same pattern. They're treated the same way. Learning is still hard. So I often tell teachers, kids wake up and they don't say, oh, I'm going to ruin my teacher's day. I'm just not going to behave today. It's not who they are. And every day a child wakes up ready to learn, ready to face the day. And then they get to school or possibly at home. I'm just targeting schools because that's my place. So they get to school and it's the same pattern. They're not good at it. The teachers give up on them. Don't explain well enough get frustrated at the behaviors and don't understand that the behaviors are coming from possibly the statistics are 95% of recurring misbehaviors come from the lack of ability to learn or even being bored. Learning is not happening. So if we can tackle that, if we can handle that, and one of the tools is effective and engaging lessons that help the students grab onto the learning again, and then the behaviors will change. So the bottom line is that I think what happens is we Somewhere along the line, the love of learning gets smushed and destroyed. A smash down, inhibited is better words than destroyed. Help them find a little success. And this is probably another way to help the love of learning, right? To find those little successes, especially when they're so, so distraught and it's such a pattern of failure. Then we take this little success and another success and another success. And before you know it, they are the best behaved, number one. And number two, they don't want to stop. They don't want to stop because they have felt this success and success breeds success, not rewards, not punishment. Success breeds success. That's amazing. That's really amazing. I have a question. Do learning styles have any impact on any of this or is it just the success motivates more success? Absolutely. Well, let's go back to the success. What helps the students be successful? It is paying attention to their learning style. And that's just good teaching, right? I don't know if we're focusing on families as much as teaching, but my place is the teaching world, right? So in the classroom, good teaching is teaching to all the learning styles. Everybody learns well that way. You explain something, you write it on the board, you have them do it. And going a step further, the exploration or the why. Why is it important that we learn how to multiply? Mm -hmm. Even if it's not life-changing, I've always used why is it important? Well, it's important because you're going to need it (laughs) for the rest of your life or whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be. But going back to your question about the learning styles, absolutely. Because we do all learn differently, but it is Again, good teaching to to use all the modes, doing it, the rationalization, seeing it, hearing it. Sometimes I even have some of my students say it with me because when they say it with me, they're speaking it, they're hearing themselves and they're reading it as they do it. I have students read aloud all the time because that's you using all your senses. 
think that's contemplate for learning. You're talking about teachers, but everything you say, I think, can be applied by mothers in the home. Absolutely. If we understand these principles, we can reinforce them in the home and even trying to teach our children things at home. We need mm-hmm. to be aware of the learning styles. I like what you said also about success breeds success, not rewards. Again, we could apply this principle in our homes as well as learning in all aspects. Absolutely. If we're talking about homeschooling, for sure. I know a lot of my dear friends are choosing to not send their children to school and they're homeschooling. So this would be super important. But I do want to say, in my opinion, as a teacher, when I have relationships with my parents, which I would advise if we're addressing parents and what they can do, I think the most important thing they could do is have a relationship with their teacher. Parents pick up where the schools leave off no matter what. The parents are the primary teacher. Not to put pressure on parents that they have to teach math. Okay, that's a big thing, right? I don't know this new way of doing math. I get that. When I'm a teacher, I personally do not give homework because I want parents to have a solid relationship with their children. It's not about teaching. I don't want to put that on my parents. I do my job. I teach the students. If they have trouble, then I may consult with the parents and ask them to work with their child. But it's not common practice for me to give work for the parents to do with their children. I think the most important thing parents can do is to support their children and to help to maintain that love for learning. So if they're struggling academically in school, that's when the parent steps in and they say, well, how can I help you to learn so that we can break through that barrier? Because when you go to school and also maybe it's a conversation with the teachers, say, how can I help my child to do what you need to do so that they are successful in your class? And that's a little different from taking on the responsibility as a parent to teach. It's you do it if necessary, but the reason you're doing it is to maintain that love of learning and not to partner with the teacher in teaching. It may look like that, and that may be where it's at, especially if you have young children. It's so important to keep that love of learning that's happening in the school so that they don't hate school and get further and further behind. I think nip it in the bud if you can. If we're talking about parenting, I think that's the most important thing is to help your child be successful in what's happening at school. I've been thinking of you been teaching about encouraging the love of learning. Back when I had a little preschool that I did with a couple of friends, we'd talk all week about the letter F. And then we go to the firemen at the end of the week to encourage that. Look at this. You get to touch the fire truck and be with the firemen and stuff like that. So finding creative ways to bring learning into it. I love going on field trips with my kids and I was blessed to be able to do that. It's fun when they actually get to see some of these subjects in real life. Like here we are, we're talking about science, but let's go to a science museum. And all of a sudden the kids' eyes just about pop out of their heads. Do you know what I mean? So I think that taking them in and showing them how these things apply, science applies in cooking, science applies, you know, let's go look at the science museum. There are so many different ways that you can incorporate the more fun and applicable aspect into 
learning, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And I do agree with that. And you guys are really good about bringing that out. And that's what parenting is. We're talking American mothers. How can I be a better mother? And the learning for that. And I appreciate that. I guess I just came from the mindset that I've had parents who they don't even bring their kids to school. Mm. And I'm having conversations, and I know that may not be the parents that are actually listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, because obviously if they're listening, they care. You're probably moms and dads out there. You're probably doing all of this already and supporting the teacher. Parents will, and a lot of parents do, and I've had those parents as well, that they're like, what else can I do? And they're teaching them just as much at home as they were teaching with me, what are they doing? How can I support? And I would grab onto that. Absolutely. But I was just trying to find the balance, you know, between yeah. the parents that actually do want to do more. If that's what we're doing, then absolutely the love of learning, we can address those and the things that we need to do. But I also want to discuss and bring to the table what we can do where we don't have to teach. It is okay that it is not your job. It, leave it to the teacher and just support that through your child and what you observe in their interactions at school. They come home. How did it go? Oh, it was great. Oh, it was lame. What happened? You're, my teacher yelled at me again. Those types of things are just as important to the learning. I think that's what I'm saying is that we don't have to teach to support the love of learning. That's the a really good way to put it. I appreciate that, Pam, because a lot of mothers, well, like you, they're single mothers. They have to take care of everything in the house and their families. And they just are overwhelmed. So this is probably a real relief for those who are trying to do it all. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be responsible for teaching, but supporting and encouraging. Mm -hmm. that, that is very helpful information. So thank you for sharing. Okay. I'm glad because that's how I truly feel. So supporting the teacher, that teamwork, I always tell my students, it's a triangle. It's the team is you, me, and your parents. And so I said, the first thing is between you and me, you have to learn. And if you don't want to, then I bring in your parents. And if they can't help, then I step in. That's the teamwork that we have. When we're talking to parents, your part is to support your child in the learning and saying, hey, what can you do? Maybe you can do this to learn better. Why aren't you paying attention? Why are you talking to your friend all the time? Why did you get in trouble in the playground? That type of situation. But the unfortunate thing about the teachers being people is that after misbehavior, 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 the students get a reputation. I'm asking teachers to not do that. I work with teachers to get through that obstacle and to look at things a different way. But that is what happens until we get to teachers and having them understand the importance of building relationships and working with the challenging behaviors students, then they're going to possibly mistreat your children. So as parents, what we can do is help the children work through that, either by talking with the student and their child only or by talking with the teacher. So Johnny, what's happening in school? Well, maybe you could do this. Can I help you at home? How can I help you get through that? Because we need you to learn and we need you to pay attention. Why aren't you paying attention? Well, because it's hard. Okay, then how can I help you so that it's not hard? What can I do? Well, the teacher keeps giving us stuff. Do you want me to talk to the teacher? 
Yeah. Okay. But those types of conversations that not only build your relationship with your child and help them to feel like they can do it because they have support, but it's also putting it into action. What will you actually do? Hmm. I like that. I think working together and you're focusing on their strengths, helping them find their strengths and helping them move forward. So I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning, regardless of whether we know why the situation is happening, we still have to find the little successes. So for example, I was talking to a parent the other day and they said, when I finally figured out that the teacher gave us an hour of this and I just, and what I decided was, no, I'm not going to do an hour of this. I'm going to have them, instead of doing the 27 problems, I'm going to have them do three and call it good. And those types of modifications. So I have my degree in special education as well. And I think the most important thing that they teach us with that is modification. Mm. We don't have to know why necessarily. We want to know why so we can know exactly how to tackle it. But just going back to behaviorally, I feel like behaviors can be adjusted no matter what, not only adjusted, but can be an indicator no matter what the cause is. So teachers or parents, we don't need necessarily, I mean, we eventually want to figure out what the issues are and the core of the problem, but it's not necessary to help them to be successful behaviorally or academically. Uh, Maybe academically, not so much, because if there's a rift, then we have to find that and help the child through. But behaviorally, and to feel good about themselves, and we're talking about the love of learning, that's when we modify. We modify, we do what we know that they can do. We scale back. And even if it looks like, well, they'll never catch up, it doesn't matter because we want to maintain that love of learning because you can't get any learning done if they hate being there. So what do we do? We scale back and we go, how can we help? Even if it's going back like that, and we may think he should learn how to do the 27 problems. I mean, that's a life lesson too. You got to have grit. And of course, that's the balance, right? Do we teach them grit or do we maintain the love of learning? I was thinking about my youngest son. He thought he was stupid because he just got bored doing the same thing over and over and over again. He says, I know it, mom. And so modification would have really helped him. I took him to a parent-teacher conference and I walked in with him and he says, he doesn't need to be here. I go, yes, he does. Because she showed us the standardized test and where he fell in it. And he was in the 90-something percentile. And I go, so what do you think about that? He goes, I thought it was stupid. I go, obviously you're not. So modification would have been a good thing for him because doing the same things over and over and over again did not help him feel like he was successful. Even though he was successful at it? No, he didn't turn in his work because he didn't want to do it. (laughs) Oh, yes. That's what I'm talking about. The behavior. Why aren't you turning in your work? Well, because it's too easy. Okay, boom. There's the answer. Yeah, it was just boring to him because he knew the answers. Why did he have to do 27 problems when three would have told him that he knew? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. And actually, that's another way to encourage love of learning. I mean, I used to do something that was really fun. I used to give them pretests. And if they got 90% or better, I'm like, boom, you get free time now. Love that. Love that idea. So why sit here when everyone else is trying to learn how to do long division and you already know it? Mm -hmm. So that's what I would do in the classroom just to maintain that level of learning. It's really tough. If you have a teacher who's like, no, I know Charlie knows it, but I wanted to do it anyway. That's when the parenting comes in and you go, okay, Charlie, 
your teacher says you need to do the work in order to get yeah. a grade. So we're not learning multiplication here now. We're not learning division because we know you know that. Now we're learning this is a lesson in grit. So how are you going to learn that? So Pam, I'd like to ask a question. What do you think that mothers can do to help stimulate their children when they are not in school, say when they're off for summer break? Mm, Good question. Let them be kids. Mm. (laughs) The reason I say that is, and this is the reason that I don't give homework either. We tackle school for that six and a half hours and we go strong and we go deep. So that's what we do. And then they go home and I want them to play. Same thing with the summer. Uh, Is it detrimental to go two months without learning? Possibly, but we have to balance the maintenance of the information with letting them be kids. Because when we think about this as adults, if I don't like my job, I can quit. Kids cannot quit school. I always tell my students, if your parents don't bring you to school, they'll get thrown into jail because it's Mm -hmm. law that they have to, it's called truancy. You have to go to school. It's a blessing and it's a curse sometimes. Sometimes parents are asking for requests of teachers. And I get as a parent, that's extremely important, right? Because we're thinking a whole 180 days with this teacher, I am not sure how that's going to go because our children don't have a break from that. Mm -hmm. So if we understand that and help them work through it, because our role as parents is not to shield them from danger and bad situations. Our job as parents is to help our kids through those because they will happen for one reason or another. Maybe they get assigned a teacher that just rubs them the wrong way. Do we go to the principal and ask for a switch? Or do we help our children through that? I, from the school point of view, think that parenting should be helping our kids through that. That's what I did with my daughter. I said, how can I help you through this? Well, my teacher hates me. Okay, (laughs) I know how you can feel that way, but what can we do? Like, do you want me to talk to your teacher? What do you want me to do here to help you through this? And that advocacy is important to them, number one. But going back to your original question about like, what should we do during the summer? I just think letting them be kids and having them enjoy that respite of the hard work that's going to happen. And school is hard. It's hard academically. It's hard behaviorally. It's hard. The schedule's hard. We're asking them to go through so many challenges throughout the 180 days that they have. So I say... A little bit of maintenance, but by all means, give them choices because this is the time that they get to do it and have Mm. fun. I like that you brought in the choices because I think that's part of it. I love that idea of letting them be kids for as long as possible because my kids sure needed it. Now, this next follow-up question is very personal, especially to me. I have two sons with special needs, and then I have another son who had a learning disability. So what if they really don't like learning? And we've talked about how that can play into behaviors. How can we find out what the issue is and make it better? Wonderful question. 
I love discussions. And I'm sure you've done that with your sons, right? Oh, yeah. What is it? So what happens? Why don't you want to go to school? What is hard? And what do they say? (laughs) Can you get information from them? So in school, thank goodness, when you have a child in the special education program, there has to be a ton of communication between teachers and students and parents. I don't know how you cannot be involved. As we integrated them into classrooms, there was a whole bunch of communication going on there. My son that ended up having a learning disability, that was hard because he was quote unquote normal, especially compared to my other kids. And so I guess that is the question I'd love to just bring up to pick your brain a little more, because I know it was such a struggle for us to even get the correct diagnosis for him. And he thought he was a failure for so long because he was having a hard time reading. If you can't read very well, it impacts your self-esteem. I tried for an hour and a half to get him to do the one page of homework. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just pulling my hair out. (laughs) And that's. And that's what I don't want parents to go through. I've heard that all the time. And that actually is part of the destruction of learning is mm-hmm. that we ask parents, hey, can you do this with your child? And the parents try to. So now it's coming from all angles, right? It's hard in school and now it's hard at home and I can't play until I do this. Mm-hmm. And just everything is hard. So the original question was how do we <laughs> help our, our children? Yeah. If they don't like learning, how can we find out what the issue is and make it better? So it does go back to the conversation. Why don't you want to learn? So uh, is it hard? Because I already know that 95% of disengagement and not wanting to do the work is because it's not appropriate. It's not the right level for them. It's either too hard or too easy. Mm. Okay, so, so there's always my first question is why don't you want to do it? And they may say, it's boring. Okay, then dig deeper. Why is it boring? You know, to have this conversation is important and to get to why they are feeling the way they feel. Another one of our tools to behaviors that we want is building relationships. So you're having this conversation and they know that you care about them. That's points for that. Either way around, even if you don't get to the bottom of it. So having those conversations are super important. And what I'm really seeing is, first of all, that communication between parents and teachers is imperative, especially if you have a child who is struggling, whether because they're too smart or whether because there's a challenge going on there. The second thing that I've really pulled out from this conversation is the importance of finding the right modification for your child. That education, even though teachers are teaching a big classroom, can be modified to the individual and what they need. Obviously, there's a conversation there that has to happen between parents and the student and the teacher and all that stuff. So overall, it's it boils down to communication, right? Yes, it does. And that's the how, but the why is that we don't want to get on the path of destroying the love of learning because Mm. our kids are born with that. And that's paying attention, having those discussions. That's why communication is important. That's why modifying is important because we want to maintain that. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Pam, for spending time with us today. You've given me some great ideas to support my grandchildren. 
<laughs> and encourage my children in helping their children. So Pam, before we go, I know that there are going to be mothers out there who have been so impressed by what you've been teaching today, and they would probably like to reach out to you or learn more from you and your perspective. Is there any way that they can reach out to you or contact you or any advice that you would give them? Yes, I would love to get in contact with parents and teachers. So a lot of what they're going to look at is classroom management stuff. But it's the same thing. We talk about building relationships, how to build relationships and teaching our expectations. Another tool that we use is the self-control tool is like, well, why do I have to do my homework today? I know you don't want to do your homework, but it's something that we discussed. How can I help you? That's not a conversation anymore because you've already had the teaching moment. That's another one of the tools that you can use. There's a consequential type tool. There's a tool that you need to take care of yourself. Otherwise, you're going to be short with your kids. That's that self-care type of tool. We have a website. It's called educatorsuccess1.com. So www.educatorsuccess1.com. You can reach out. I give a lot of free things out there because I want to give back. I am also writing a book. It's more geared towards teachers right now, but as you can see, these tools really, really help in the home as well. The book is called Rewards and Punishment Don't Work, So Now What? I think that's what we need to go to the next step because teachers are frustrated. Even parents, I'm just really here for you because I think that finding a positive way to help our children or people around us to do the right things out of choice and not out of coercion is so much better for everybody. I'd love to connect. Those will probably be posted in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast. We really appreciate having you here today and for sharing your wisdom, because I know that there are a lot of mothers out there who are struggling perhaps with some of the things that we've talked about today. And this has been very meaningful to them, just as it's been meaningful to me. So thank you. Thank you. so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom-to-mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on.